episode 205. I'm your uh, 50% vaccinated host, Mike Apps, aka Wheels, and with me as always. Uh, human Biohazard, Dave McBurney, Family Master. And uh, thankfully not living in a plague zone, uh, your man in Japan, Michael Baker. Harsh, but fair. <laughs> living in America. <laughs> Wait, no. <laughs> yes, actually. Uh, but... Well, not me, but... Yeah, the rest of us. Uh, currently suffering from the Black Death. Um, let's see. Oh, we also playing Strikers. That's a good game. Uh, let's see. Likely the only thing that's going to uh, challenge Monster Hunter for my game of the year. <laughs> Uh, I don't know what's actually coming out at the end of this year. Who knows? Maybe, but yeah, I mean. Prove me wrong, children. Prove me wrong. Class after class of ugly, ugly children. Um. <laughs> but yeah, so what have we been playing? What have we all been playing? Well, I finally gave up on uh, my weird game for a while. Uh, just because I'm not quite sure how to handle the difficulty spikes or the, the uh, fairly consistent crash rate. Okay, that's a problem. Yeah. So, um, since I've got about a week until Saga Frontier comes out, I'm just trying to uh, fill in the space with some fun. And so I've got Phantom Hourglass stuck in my DS. Fun. Interesting. Although I like to which uh, which would be better if it were not itself prone to uh, disconnecting from the DS. Oh, yeah! Remember the last time I had this? Um, there was an issue with the game not registering. Um, yes. Yeah. Well, this seems to be an endemic issue for the game cartridge itself in the 3DS because I, I don't know any other reason why it would be doing this on two different copies of the same game That's weird but um, yeah uh, it will randomly decide that it is no longer in physically inside the DS <laughs> that'd be silly yeah so the last time while was while it was charging last night apparently so um, I lost everything after beating the first boss that's a shame. Which, I mean, granted, I was not much past that point, but so I, I'm right now I just beat um, the torch wizard again. And let's hit skip on the on the video sequence. Okay. And he's dead. Okay. Yay. And I got a heart container. Yay. <laughs> wrong game. <laughs> like, super the wrong game. I don't even know why you did it. Okay, no, we need to all stop. Um, okay. uh, can I complain about Persona Q2 and also uh, not complain about Persona Q2s? Well, pick sure. one. We are like, confused. We, say, yeah, we can do nuanced complaining. Can okay. We? Okay. So we can. I, We're big kids here. Yeah. Listen, I I really like Persona Q2. It's I like it better than one 
mostly because it's got more characters that I like. Um, and it's got better music and I think a better overall theme because the whole movie theater theme is pretty fun. But Not my... stronger than I don't remember what the theme of Persona Q1 is. Yes. <laughs> They're in a weird high school. It's like a yeah. school festival, but I can't remember that affecting the dungeon yeah. itself. Yeah, that was the main thing, yeah. Uh, but anyway, I really wish everyone would just shut the fuck up. <laughs> Part of my language. But the, the game has a serious problem where everything needs to be over-explained. Every, every gameplay mechanic from Etrian Odyssey needs to be explained ad nauseum as to how it fits in the Persona universe. So, like, they have to go to some long explanation on to how, like, the little resource uh, collecting areas work. Or they have to talk about, there's there's one shopkeeper, and then you meet one of the people from the Velvet Room. He becomes a new shopkeeper and explains how you can sell all the items there. And then he uses, goes into a long explanation about how he uses a popcorn machine to turn the materials you could collect and items and it's just to be fair that's really good actually yes okay that part was great but, but yeah what's, what's not so great is every new character coming in and obviously there's going to be a lot of them because <laughs> there's See, characters we're looking at a games. cast of like 20 characters at that point uh, everyone has and to this be is, and this is a genre that's not known for its brevity of letting everyone say something in every single scene. Oh, yes. So... Not for economy. <laughs> so I've... I've only gotten one new party member so far, and that was the female protagonist from Persona 3 Portable, which I am looking forward to seeing how they explained having both of those protagonists in the same game. That sh should be interesting. Secret twins. Something like that. Oh, wow. uh, but just everything one has to be over-explained and introduced and on and on and on again. Oh, look at this new person. And everyone I currently have has to introduce themselves to a new person. Didn't you all just wear a name tag? And I... Are there going to be more people in the Velvet Room we're going to have to deal with? Uh, depends just, on how many you've already seen. <laughs> just the ones from Persona 5 and the two from Persona 3. So probably Persona 4 is Margaret as well. Yeah. God. But it, it, but it's just weird because it's like on the flip side, okay, the dungeon exploring is great. The combat's great. I just... Shut up, everyone. The <laughs> land up. of contrast. <laughs> it's interesting because like... Vanilla Persona definitely has that to some degree, but I, I'm fine with it because they usually have a lot of places to sort of take those characters and how they interact. But I would imagine the sheer size of the cast makes that impractical for Persona Q2, so everyone just sort of says a thing. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, that, that's kind of how um, um, the second Endless Frontier game happened to be. Yeah. They, they had quite a large cast of main party characters and then an even larger cast of support characters, and by the end, every single character had to make a comment in every single scene, and it kind of dragged on. Yeah, that's sort of like how like the lesser Super Robot Wars are written. Like the smarter ones, like usually, sort of subdivide the cast into like characters that can play off of each other in an interesting fashion, or are from similar or specifically different series. 
That's to... yeah. That's definitely what they needed to do more with that one. That is what they did with Project Cross Zone. Mm-hmm. So, yeah. Uh, but yeah, it's just yeah. an endemic problem of large cast games. Yeah. Yeah. And I imagine once the dungeon crawling gets more extensive, this this problem will alleviate itself because it'll be long stretches of going It'll at least dungeons. be paced out a little yeah. better. And then going back into the theater and then there'll be more character interaction there. But just right now in the beginning, it's just really annoying in the beginning because I just want to get to that dungeon crawling and it took like three hours before i even had like got to the point where oh the game just gave me a bunch of extra personas so everyone in my party could have a, a sub persona and that's important yeah that's very important and it took way too freaking long <laughs> so yeah so you're having a great time i am mostly having a great time i'm just very annoyed at the pacing we also have given into the beast within us now flying monster hunter rise. Um, yes, I just happened to be in the middle of something in Strikers. I had to get to a save point. Let's see, but, uh, uh, but yeah, other than that, I've been playing all uh, less Monster Hunter. I kind of put the brakes on a bit, uh, but it's still freaking great and way better than Monster Hunter World. So. <laughs> You've been busy. You've been busy. Yes. Uh, yeah. Uh, I've now got more spare time, so I'll finally start sinking my teeth into that probably tomorrow. Sweet. Uh, um, and but yes, yes. Just so you know, I am going to play more Persona Two very soon. Good. Good. I played a lot of that this week. I noticed. I played about. To the half to two thirds mark of uh, Persona Two Innocent Sun. Nice. It's uh, it's I I've been having a wonderful time. Uh, it's still just a very charming game with a lot of very interesting. Like the the part where I like fell in love with the game originally and uh, like went from being like, oh, I really like this game to oh, I love this game. This game's incredible is kind of the same part that I did this time, where it's like, I've been having a great time with this, and then it gets to the point where it starts plot-dumping the real nut stuff that starts happening at about the halfway mark, one-third to halfway mark. And then it's just like, oh, I love how wild this plot gets once it starts... Uh, once a character starts talking about, like people dressed up as like Mayan priests fighting uh, the freaking like a battalion of revived Nazis uh, <laughs> who are wielding like some sort of like they're, they're yelling about like spears dripped dipped in Christ's blood and then like the uh, longinus. Yeah, yeah. They, but there's a bunch of them. It's not just the one longinus. Uh, and uh, what's the other oh yeah and they're fighting like I forget how this is immediately correlated but they're fighting over like uh, Jiboba which is uh, a uh, like a uh, underworld of 
Mayan mythology, which is where the Mayan bit comes in. But yeah, it's uh, it really just goes completely hog wild, and I know the Illuminati's in there somewhere as well. Uh, so I yeah, really it's just play this game sometime. It it just like halfway through, it turns into a car crash of conspiracy theories, with the entire thing relying on the fact that someone just like published a book about them and because of the whole rumors become reality thing it's causing everyone who reads the book it's like well it's they wrote a book about it there must be something to this and so everyone thinks all of these are real (laughs) (laughs) but there's like that's also right around the point where there's this really great bit because your party is constantly trying to stop like the uh, the um, early part portion of the game one of the big things is that you're trying to stop these like serial bombings that are happening because your party's always there. There starts to be a rumor that your party are a bunch of terrorists who are blowing things up and (laughs) uh, your party is immediately aware of the danger here of like, if enough people spread that rumor, it might cause problems for us. So you like, after you rescue a bunch of people from one of the places, you ask them to spread the counter rumor that no, you're actually like trying to stop them. And that causes two versions of your party to start running around. <laughs> what? Uh, Persona okay, 2 is so, incredible. Okay, which half of Persona 2 is this? This is Innocent Sin. Okay, I need to find a copy of this. Is it uh, Was it on the Vita store? Uh, it should be. It was a late PSP game, so it should be uh, digitally am, available. Yeah. I am so tempted to just grab that before the end of August. You should do it. <laughs> nice. It's a it's a wonderful game. I truly love it. But uh, yeah, so I've been having a great time with that. Uh, one of the things I've really appreciated while replaying it is uh, the way that it uses. Uh, I, I think I talked about this before, but the way that it uses demon negotiation tactics to express how the party's relationship is at the moment, because like each character has four things that they can do as a negotiation tactic. And these range from things like uh, your main character can make sound effects, rant about manliness, uh, give them a death glare, or or just attempt to persuade them, like, as a normal thing. But then you'll get uh, other characters that are like, ask them about their parents, uh, or talk with fists. But the thing that's great about this is that you can also have multiple characters try to negotiate together. And they'll do different things depending upon what point you are at in the game because they'll be, there are certain degrees of like, well, these characters don't know each other that well, so they can't actually negotiate together. One of them will inevitably say, no, I'm not bothering and just go it alone. But as you go further in the game, it's like, oh, well, these characters know each other now. So now they'll do things like uh, they might do essentially like a Monzai routine together. So... (laughs) Yeah, it's uh, it's really fun. Um, having a great time with that. Uh, and yeah, uh, it's it's been like I, I've mostly talked about the things that are like wild and really uh, attention grabbing. But I've also, you know, I just I think the story is good and the car- the uh, cast is really strong. So that's been that's been a great time to play again. <laughs> Yeah, I, I loved my brief time with it on the stream last week. 
Okay. I'll make sure it's more than brief. Yes. <laughs> trying to remember what distracted me from it, but as I think as we talked about last Knowing time... Knowing you, it's everything. <laughs> well, that and it, that was like a myth, like this just endless stream of Shin Megami Tensei that kept coming out. Oh, yeah, absolutely. Like Strange Journey, Two Devil Survivors, Two Devil Survivor re-releases... Yeah, it came out. It, it was also it was like a 2011 PSP game or something like that. Yeah. Or maybe maybe that was Eternal Punishment, and that's why we didn't get Eternal Punishment Portable. But uh, but there uh, there was just a lot, <laughs> specifically from Atlas. Yeah, it was like they they really were uh, going all in on that franchise okay so in north america yeah it was a late 2011 psp game in north america so it was one of those things where it was like who was playing psp games in north america in 2011 so was the vita out by then uh no it was about six months off okay yeah, we did not get uh, Eternal Punishment Portable, probably because the Vita was already out by that point in yeah. Japan. And also, apparently, there was some, like... This is this is all just, like, hearsay, but I always heard there was something about how that game was programmed that made it particularly a pain to deal with. Yeah. <laughs> so, given its very low sales prospects, it kind of tanked in Japan, too. Like, the tragedy of Persona 2 is, I love them. Anyone who cares... Who, play who cares enough to play through to the end of them inevitably ends up like really fond of persona 2 but they have historically always been the worst selling persona games i think i know why i didn't play it because i was trying probably trying to finish persona 3 portable before four golden moving on before four. oh yeah that makes sense mm-hmm. but, yeah so, like uh, expect me to continue soap, uh, continue on my soapbox that uh, Persona 2 is incredible. Uh, I'll probably take a break between Innocent Sin and Eternal Punishment because it's very hard not to roll directly into Eternal Punishment, but so much of Eternal Punishment, because like Innocent Sin definitely has an ending that makes you want a conclusion. Which is not to say that Persona 2 Innocent Sin does not end in a somewhat conclusive manner but you definitely want another part of that story hmm. but, but at it's the same also, time too much of a good thing it's very much like because eternal punishment was initially released like 18 months later and that's about that's a fair a reasonable distance to have from the mechanical underpinnings of persona 2 which are fine but not the most interesting part of it and you end up like a lot of eternal punishment is like dealing with uh, in like weird twisted reflections of elements of innocent sin and so uh, if you play them back to back like you will notice everything that it's like is being done as commentary about aspects of innocent sin but you're also essentially you're playing a lot of things that are very sim- similar to each other back to back and it's yeah it's it's too much of a good thing <laughs> but it's uh I figure by the time I finish that I'll it'll take a while for the uh, Eternal Punishment PSP fan translation to finally work its way out, and at that point I'll be absolutely ready to dive into that game. I need help. 
No, 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 you don't. I mean, I'm in full Persona whatever binge right now, so... Yeah, yeah. Just don't play one. Boat. Go look up, like, a playthrough of one and don't actually play it yourself. Uh, so, it's not great. Um, but, two, two, I've, like, I've found it's... It's also just less mean than I remembered. It's honestly a very easy game for the most part. Uh... As long as you have, like, some idea of how it works mechanically, which admittedly it's not perfect at explaining, but hey, uh, anyone who wants to bug me on the Discord for Persona 2 tips and tactics, uh, I am ready to jump in at any moment if you at me and mention the phrase Persona 2. So, uh, you know, just something to keep in mind. Uh, yeah, so played a bunch of that. Uh, played some other things that are not RPGs but that are cool. Apex Legends? Uh, no. I mean, that's cool and it's not an RPG, but I didn't play it. Um, no, I was playing Oddworld Soulstorm. Oh, that's right. The APS Plus game, if you are playing on PS5. The price is right. Yeah, yeah. And it's, uh, it's a huge Oddworld fan. Uh, it's very it's a very interesting thing because it's like it's it's technically a remake in the same way that the last the prior one new and tasty was like a remake of the very first odd world soulstorm is technically a remake of the second game abe's exodus but abe's exodus was like originally conceived as like oh this is just sort of a side game it doesn't really matter whereas soulstorm is like recontextualizing that plot to be like a much broader portion of a much more like serious story mm-hmm. which is a very interesting uh like it's it's a much more heavy reimagining than new and tasty where new and tasty mostly what it did was it kept the villain of the first game around so that he could continue to be sort of an overarching threat but uh, Soulstorm is doing a much bigger uh, like the premise is broadly similar but the way that it gets to it is completely different and, but it's it's interesting because like it's also probably the most carefully like constructed to help players understand its mechanics and it's a much friendlier game from that perspective I'm a big fan of these games, but they're they're very they require a lot of patience. But yeah, so I'm a big fan of those. Uh but they are not RPGs, so I won't go into too much more detail. <laughs> so shall we get on to some questions? Sure, sure. We, oh, and apologies, listeners. If you've noticed, I am tardy getting up episode 204. I forgot. And for some reason, thought I had already posted it. So, Living the dream. Uh, so did we have a question we missed on 203? We have uh, four 
five questions. We missed on two or three. Sweet. Yeah. There's also something in the Discord that I had forgotten to bring up to answer last week, so... Uh, I'll bring that up this week when we get done with the, these questions as well. Oh, and we've also got some new questions in Discord as well. Sweet. Does anyone have the questions last episode open? Uh, yes. Okay. Well, two episodes ago, but yes. You know what I mean. Uh, from our from our good friend Budai, uh, with all the saga porting that has come out, and Scarlet Grace being as good as it was, do you think the next saga will be sooner than later and higher budget? Uh, I mean... I- I feel like the next saga is probably going to be more remakes, but higher budget, probably not. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, if Kawazu has any say in it, yes, to both, but probably not higher budget. Yeah. I mean, but these games aren't really ones that require a much higher budget. They're yeah. they're not trying to be the upper Final Fantasies. Yeah, it's more it's more like uh, Kawazu will like work out a game design based on what he resources he has. So, yeah. As he has stated on Twitter, you go with the game that you have time to make, basically. Pretty much. Uh, with the correlated question, did Minstrel Song have the highest saga budget? I mean, probably. Quite possibly, yes. It's like it. It seemed higher budget than Min- than uh, than Unlimited, which seemed like a game that was made uh, relatively on the cheap. But, uh, yeah, Minstrel Song's probably about as close as they ever came to trying to make it a big-budget RPG series. And it was awesome. Mm-hmm. It is really good. Hopefully that gets ported to everything soon. Um, yeah. Would that be next up? No, we... Sorry, Frontier. Probably suck Frontier 2. Yeah, Frontier 2. Have to learn about killing all wizards. Um... Excuse me? No. What did you say? <laughs> And then Unlimited Saga first. I don't think if they're going with Unlimited, I hope they just do a complete remake of that one. Like that would just be have to turn into an essentially unrelated game. No, I I think they would just dump it on us. So, but I had a second question on here for Saga too. It was like, is Saga Frontier two a decent game? Yeah. 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 It's a bit different. It was made from by a different studio than the, most of the others, but yeah, I think Kawazu was less hands-on on that one. But it's not like the bastardization that three is. No, I mean, from what I've heard, he didn't actually have anything to do with the production. They just went to him with for his blessing when they had something to present, and he was like, "Oh, cool." But it, it feels it's still a weird game, which is what matters. Yeah. It's very pretty. yeah. It's it's the most chronologically oriented of any game in the series because it is in fact a chronology yeah it's a really neat game i think yeah um something that annoyed a lot of people which obviously i mean some people just didn't get the point was that the uh it's the game that reintroduced weapon breakability which made sense given what they had done with the protagonists as well so yes and what a lot of people didn't really seem to get was, um, unless, I mean, like, the entire game is set up as scenes on a chronology, mm-hmm. 
And if the scenes are actually linked by characters, then items will carry over. But otherwise, they don't. Which makes sense. And, yes, and, and but the only thing that actually does carry over between everything is chips, which are what you get when you break weapons. Yeah, so breaking weapons is not a bad thing. It's a, it's one of the points of the combat. Um, yeah. So, I mean, when you're playing that game, you want to be using all, uh, I mean, really using up all of your lesser weapons as much as possible just so that they break. And so much later in the game, you've got a couple thousand chips stored up and you can actually buy the really good weapons for the end game. <laughs> yeah, that's a weird system, but it's neat. Yeah. <laughs> And it's it's also the Saga game that had three different combat systems. Yeah. Yeah. Which was also really cool in its own way. Yeah. Interesting to implement. And, uh, I, oh, I remember a story. Um, back very a long, long time ago in the history of the site, Paws was uh, supposed to review Saga Frontier 2. <laughs> and the Square Soft representative actually told her that she needed to beat the Battle of South Mound Top, the last of the strategy battles, to mm -hmm. complete the game. Which, plot-wise, the Battle of South Mound Top is important because the character that you are playing as loses yeah. the game, uh, loses the battle, and is forced to retreat to the spot where he gets ends up being the final boss for the other half of the story the other main character story yeah so um the battle of south mountaintop is not supposed to be won and it's very diff it is like upper level fire emblem gung-ho superfan level difficult to win <laughs> yeah yeah i'm not even sure what the game does if you beat it <laughs> it says very good job now i'm retreating anyway <laughs> I did grab, but now I must go. Yeah, yeah. Well, I'm sure there's like some sort of reward for actually beating it, but it's, yeah, not it's point. not necessary, and it's an exercise in frustration. Yeah, yeah. yeah. It's also, as we all briefly alluded to, it's a very pretty game. Yes, it, it it's it's all in watercolors. It's beautiful. Yeah. yeah. And it's got it's got that feng shui ba um, magic system and the dueling combat system and one absolute bastard of a final boss. It's got everything you could want. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh, I remember doing the math, and if you if you successfully skip all six of the elemental. Lord sub-bosses in the final level and so give the final boss the absolute maximum number of state of stage forms it has over 200,000 hit points oh yeah so yeah I mean it's got like three forms and then it gets another um, gets another form for every one of the elemental lords left standing but by the time you get to him which you can take out four out of six hmm and then it has a final super form after that. So you could have up to 10 forms in this battle. And some of them are absolute pure unadulterated nasty because the stone elemental form will petrify people. No, no saving throw or anything. It just they're stone. 
and the wood element bo- um, form has an attack called the Word for World, which I have to assume is an Ursula K. Le Guin reference. Um, <laughs> the Word for World is forest, and it will slaughter everything. So yeah, yeah. It was a it was an awesome boss to beat. So. <laughs> right up there with the nastiest of the romancing saga bosses, but still, oh man. The... But yeah, I mean, like, uh, Saga Frontier 2 is also a game where it's like, even if you don't like Saga Frontier 1, it's still reasonable to try it. <laughs> yeah. Sorry, I'm still just thinking. Uh, uh Set the other questions. Are we ready to move on? Or yeah. Okay. Uh, another one from Budai about uh, our favorite franchise. I haven't played Frontier since the '90s. What am I getting myself into in two weeks? Depends on who you pick. <laughs> yes. So we have already uh, signed up for our group effort impression of the game one person per um character yeah so wheels who are you planning on taking uh bender bending rodriguez that is not teaching teaching. Teaching. yes <laughs> hey he can ne- rename the character yes that's true it's true yeah and i don't think bender bending rodriguez will fit but you can do it oh you can do bender at least yeah i can yeah, call him bbr Yep. And so, Dave, who did you choose? I chose Acellus. Yep. And I went with whoever is left over at the end. Uh, which, which has. <laughs> oh no! Been... No, let me get to this. Let me get this. So the uh, the person who chose chose before me was Nick. Uh, was um, Sam, and her comment was Ricky. Please, I bleeping hate loot. <laughs> so, Matt. Well uh, When he's. When he puts the loot list up the next time, at the very top, number one, Michael, bleeping hated loot, <laughs> is my official character. Yeah. And Wheels is, quote-unquote, the robot. <laughs> so. Yeah. We actually, uh, it looks like, <laughs> the irony is I don't think anyone signed up for the new character. <laughs> uh, no, um, from what... Um, from the information given, it seems like you have to actually beat a, a character. Yeah, like the, the eShop description says you have to have finished, you have to do something to unlock Fuse. So, so I'm guessing Fuse is simply whoever gets to him first. <laughs> yeah, pretty much. And no, depending on how much they've added to loot scenario, that's probably going to be me. <laughs> <laughs> because if I don't see any signs of major plot involvement or if I accidentally discover that hey you can go straight to the final boss again um, I will be using I will be checking to see if the junkyard trick works so I can just get a ton of stuff on robots that makes sense yeah robots are your friend yep if I'm going to do this I'm going to see if I can do the one battle only loot run Uh, but yeah, so 
Uh, it's it's very much going to be dependent on your on which character you choose. Um, mm-hmm. So you know, ask uh, ask again later, uh, depending upon who you've chosen. But uh, I guess my advice would be uh, don't pick Ricky. Uh, <laughs> Try everyone if you aren't sure. Yep. Um, I mean, Red is probably the best choice for a first time. He's got a really straightforward and bizarre plot. Yeah. It's very, uh, very much narrative-driven. As long as you don't overuse Alkaiser. Yeah. But, I mean, the game does warn you about that. Yeah, yeah. Just just keep in mind that what it's, what it's warning you about in that situation is that you don't get stats for battles completed as Alkaiser. Yeah. <laughs> the trade-off being that if you are in a pinch and you and red is the only character left standing, Al Kaiser will win the battle. Yeah. Unless you've completely neglected to raise your stats, at which point eventually even Al Kaiser won't be able to save you. But that, yeah. And I do uh, appreciate all the weird rules about being able to change into Al Kaiser. You can change into Al Kaiser in front of robots. Yeah. You just can't change into him in front of any living soul. Yeah. Oh, also, you can. I think you can change into Alkaiser if the, if the all the other like human slash mystics are. No, I think also if they're blind. I think there's only oh, like um, the the status ailment blinded or one of the characters is blind. Blinded, like the status <laughs> ailment. I hadn't remembered that part. Yeah, I'm almost certain that's the case, which is a very good choice. Yeah. So yeah. So um, yeah. It's, so if you're just starting with the game and you've never really played it before, the best choice is either Red for the Tokusatsu Wonderland or Amelia for basically being Charlie's Angels. They're also both fairly straightforward stories. Yes. <laughs> um, and I can't remember exactly what T260G story is like because that was, I mean, my old copy I got from a pawn shop many years ago was scratched up a bit and T260G was one of the non-starter scenarios for me. Uh, T260G is a fairly like playable scenario and fairly fun. Yeah, and then Acellus had some interest, had some choices in there. Again, that was another one I couldn't actually get through at all. I could barely get through Amelia's because there was a fifty-fifty chance of the game crashing on the first boss. Oh, <laughs> but I did eventually beat hers. Mm-hmm. Um, Blue, Blue's good if you. Um, already know what all the magics are and you just feel like doing all the magic quests. Yeah, and again, like if your game is not so scratched that at least three of the magic quests not on the same quest line will crash the game. Yeah. Well, that's a choice made for you. I think you have to do three of the same magic quests. It's like you've got three rune quests and three... Actually, four rune quests and four card quests. They are mutually exclusive magic types. And uh, both sides had crash issues for me. Yeah. I th- so I, I think you're allowed to mix and side. match, but yeah. No, you're not allowed to mix and match between the types um, for uh, a given character. Mm. Um, Blue's special thing is that once the big clim- um, big story climax battle he happens, gets he gets everything and then has to beat his true final boss. But before then, he he has to pick and choose which types of magic he wants out of the uh, two or three um, pairs. 
never get over never get finding Blue was red in his game and trying to recruit him and him just saying no because your name's red. Yeah. Yep. Blue has issues. Rude boy. Um, Blue has the hard bound special edition back issues. <laughs> yeah. If Blue were a real person, you would not like him. <laughs> yeah, pretty much. That's the point. <laughs> yeah. Which is why so many people intentionally lose that battle to his own brother. <laughs> yeah, which the game will let you just keep going. <laughs> that, that's the fun part, yeah. It, the game itself doesn't care who wins that battle. <laughs> like, whoever wins is going to have both sets of magic. It doesn't matter which one did it. They both yeah. have the same goal. <laughs> Yeah. Um, so yeah, uh, if you want more information on any given characters, uh, feel free to ask us. We are all fonts of horrible, horrible amounts of knowledge here. Let's see. Um, here's one to make sure we all stays awake. Uh, what about monsters is the most what about monster hunter is the most RPG like um, probably the stats <laughs> like obviously it's very action focused and you can you know have a weapon and if you're the best player ever you can probably beat tough monsters with terrible weapons to some extent um but, yeah, the stats, and that's kind of how you level, because your character doesn't quote-unquote level at all. It's all about the stats on your armor, the stats on your weapon, and, like, the resistances and weaknesses in your armor, which generally reflect the monster you're making them from. Uh, so there are, like, there's a lot of nitty-gritty in terms of figuring out how your building your character and probably eventually like multiple sets for different types of monsters in different situations so yeah it's an action game but there is a lot of stat depth there especially you know once you get to G rank quests which we don't have right in Rise yet but good old Grank yes I think those are I think that's in the like roadmap for Rise Lisa. Yeah, it's kind of, and I know nobody likes things being compared to Dark Souls, but it's, it is sort of the similar sort of action there too. Like you can, it's boss rush Dark Souls. You need some skill, but um, well, I guess you can't really skip out on the skill because to grind really good gear, you have to fight the harder monsters. But there, I mean, there's ways to just get help from people online. Just make another hunter do that. Yeah, exactly. Well, yeah, Just that's, like Dark Souls. That, that, uh -huh. that is why it is definitely an RPG because there are stats on everything and they absolutely matter. And it's not just, you know, how good you can operate each weapon because they all uh, operate differently. There's a lot to it. Does bring us to a related Monster Hunter question that Budai also had. Uh, how do you think balancing weapons in Monster Hunter differs from an MMO? 
Wow, that's a very good question. Um, Just based on like observation, my guess would be, well, you have to be able to kill everything by yourself in Monster Hunter. Yeah. Well, that and MMOs have things like PvP and stuff like that to consider, too, so... Yeah, like... You, you like weapons that need to be balanced for PvP have to have an entirely different set of concerns than weapons that only have to be used against the AI. Yeah. Uh, no, I mean, I think the ultimate goal would not to have any weapon seem more powerful than the other, just constitute different play styles that people may want to use against different monsters. Like, yeah, I know me specifically there's certain types of monsters that I wouldn't want to use certain weapons on, namely like slower weapons I wouldn't want to use against anything that moves very quickly because then it just becomes too difficult to even hit them but Banish wheels to the realm of only using the insect glaive and the hunting horn <laughs> I love the insect glaive I absolutely hate the hunting horn it's not for me uh I imagine for I imagine for bouncing they do a lot of like test quests with all the different with as many different weapon types as they can fit and kind of tweak from there. I don't really know, but it, trying to remember which of the weird uh, MMO monster hunters had uh, tone fuzz. <laughs> I remember hearing that in that particular game those were just completely overpowered. Yeah. Okay, it was it was Frontier that had Tone Fuzz, and like they've never shown up in any other game, I think. But I remember hearing that part of the reason for that is that they they did a bad job of balancing them; they're too strong. Uh, but yeah, I, I'd imagine the primary concern with balancing weapons in Monster Hunter is not making any weapon feel overpowered compared to others. Uh, how exactly they figured that out, I have no idea. But, copious playtesting. Yeah. And measuring the complaints per minute count for any players. And as we, long as they're in perfect that. alignment, that's fine. People complain about everything. I would just ignore their complaints and figure no, it's, it out it's on fine. your own. As long as they're all complaining in perfect synchronicity. I mean, they do that it, about stupid things, too. Yeah. Yeah, but at least they don't you have to care about what the complaints at. are. True. And for the uh, the questions on 203, Krull asks, in honor of Wheels' internet crashing in the last episode, <laughs> uh, what are your worst software crashes in gaming? Oh. Well, I already described a couple of the issues I've had recently. Yeah. <laughs> but need one that really takes the cake. Um, okay, so many years ago, I had... this cell phone with a couple games on it and one of those games was Tengai Makyu Jiraiya. Uh -huh. The uh, it was a cell phone port of the old uh, CD Tengai game. Makyo? Yeah, Tengai Makyo. And um, without a lot of the cool things that actually made that game more playable like the uh, animations. But the way the thing worked on the cell phone is that every time you entered a new zone on the map, um, it would have to send out packets and receive packets and basically download half of the game again. Huh. And oh. uh, one time, I lost reception in the middle of a of going between two parts of the map. 
Oops. Uh-oh. Yeah, um, that ga- that um, program never worked again. <laughs> Just brick the entire thing. Yeah. Oh boy. <laughs> I mean the game. Thankfully, my phone was okay. But yeah, yeah. I just I would imagine to get it to work again, you would have to like delete all traces of it from your phone and yeah. yeah. So yeah, that'd probably uh, be my worst one. Yeah, no, that's impressive when a game just completely self destructs. Um, yeah. What about you, Wheels? Uh, trying to think of some good ones. There was a time where Persona 1 PSP crashed and deleted all the saves on my memory card. That's impressive. I still don't know if it was precisely the fault of Persona or some other kind of weird system error, but yeah, that that sucked. And you never played it again. <laughs> uh, there was an issue where... Uh, we had... Not an RPG, but we had a Minecraft world on the Xbox where somehow it a bad save got synced to the cloud. Destroying your entire and, Xbox Live account. And so that save replaced any local saves on the Xbox, and we basically lost that world and there was no way to recover it, which sucked. I'm sure the children Ooh, loved that. Yeah. It super suck. <sighs> I can't think of anything else right now. I'm sure there's some other instances. Trying to think of any time where a crash has taken anything other than my time with it, and it's not immediately coming to me. Uh, Yeah. Also, I'm not sure when... Monkey came in to ask. Uh, this is right, the Monster Hunter, correct? And but yes, it is right, yes. Monster Hunter. Let's see. I have. I'm trying to think of anything where it's like, I've definitely like had situations where a game crashed in an opportune time, and I just was like, nope, I'm done with that game. Game's over. Um, oh, there was the time. Uh, what, two weeks ago, where I accidentally crashed my 3DS after I'd beaten the final boss of Dragon Quest Seven. <laughs> oh, yeah. Good job on that. That sucked. Oh, oh I hadn't heard about that. Yeah, uh, so, uh, you know, it's a hacked 3DS, and I had this streaming software running so I could play it on stream, and I put the, three, I put the 3DS to sleep, which mm-hmm. that hacked software apparently doesn't like because it caused the whole system to crash. Uh, yeah. You know, just living in the future. And I had to go and beat the final boss again. Which he did. Yes. Like a boss. <laughs> Good times. Yeah, anything, anything else? Nothing's immediately coming to mind as anything more spectacular than I'm pissed at the game now and done with it. But this is also like why I don't play a ton of PC games because they inevitably just crash more often, and I don't like that. <laughs> oh, a a quick non RPG one, um, playing Apex Legends, going into a confrontation with the only other squad left alive, and the game crashed. Oops. This is the Switch version, which 
It's still a bit buggy. <laughs> yeah, that was fun. It's an impressive thing that they got it on Switch and all. Um, it is, and it it actually works. So something. Yeah. Um, let's see what else. Not the worst time I ever crashed a game, but uh, I did manage to crash uh, Metal Max Four on purpose once. <laughs> Why were you attempting to do this? Oh, I know. I was just curious because there was a uh, in one of the later towns in the game there was a massage service that would restore hit points. Yeah, and I was curious to see what would happen if you sent in a character who was legally dead. <laughs> You'd think they would have someone to stop you from doing that. Yeah. But no, uh, I mean, the character was at zero hit points. So I just needed to save it. I just needed to go to a place to rest and he'd be back to normal. Yeah. Because Metal Max 4 didn't actually require you to drag dead characters back to Dr. Minch and have them electrocuted back into working order for once. Um, <laughs> um, so all you had to do was rest at an end, basically, for that game. I figured, you know what, yeah. let's, see if the, let's see if this works with the massage parlor as well. And it does not. <laughs> Um, it's like, oh, okay. Crash the game. Uh, yeah. That's less than ideal. Yeah. Hey, but you know what? I had already saved like five minutes beforehand. It was all good. Yeah. Saved five minutes beforehand just in case. <laughs> nah, just because every time I go into a town, I save. That's wise. Yeah. So tired. We're all tired. Um, yeah. Um, I think that. I, I, yeah, I can't think of any myself. If I come up with any, I'll bring them up next. Uh, next podcast. Um, let's see. Who was this? Um, I can find the question I missed last time. I think it was basically something similar to like just uh, when do you use like stat upgrade items? Mm -hmm. uh, okay, yeah, yeah. Scar head off with this question. When given an item that provides a permanent stat. Uh, boost, do you A, give it to a party member that lacks the particular stat to attempt to make them more well-rounded, B, give it to someone who excels in that stat to further make them a powerhouse, C, give them to your favorite party member, or D, randomly give stat-boosting items to party members because you are an anarchist? Uh, I, E, hoard them, waiting for a good time to use them, and then forget to use them. Yeah, that was, uh, Tam brought up, you for you forgot F, hold on to it and never use it. <laughs> yeah. yeah, let's make no. it. No, I mean, like, I... Uh, the first time I ever had experience with these things was in Final Fantasy Legend 2, which has a limited, very limited inventory to begin with, so it was really much a use it or lose it. And I remember um, the first few times through the game, I always tried to keep the character stats pretty level. But, I mean, that's also a game where you use it more, you gain more. Yeah. Uh, but later on... It's more. I usually just give them to whoever has the, who is, the most specialized in that particular stat. If it's an attack stat, mm -hmm. um, 
if it's like constitution and hit points, then it'll go to whoever needs it the most, so probably the lowest person. But um, like if you've got two characters and one is a one is a magic user and the other one's a frontline fighter, then giving the magic user an extra strength point is not going to help much. Don't give a strength point to someone who's never going to make a physical attack. <laughs> exactly. So, yeah. I mean, it really depends on the game and whether or not the game itself rewards a lot of specialization. Yeah, because a lot of games will like try to soft cap you in one direction, where it's like, well, if you've got high enough stats, you're, they're not the each stat point will be worth less. But there's also there plenty of games. Too. There are plenty of games that are just like, no, you characters are supposed to be specialized in things, so make them more specialized. Yep. Uh, I've been playing like I, as has been mentioned, I've been playing a lot of Persona Two, and. Uh, the stat that governs magic is easily the most valuable stat in the game. Mm -hmm. uh, because it uh, governs how much MP you have and your magic attack and defense. <laughs> and those are going to, in, in a well-rounded party, that's what you're going to be, most of the time you're going to be using personas. like mm -hmm. Because using personas gets them more spells. Uh you regenerate MP from moving and uh, using fusion spells raises the stats of your personas. So, so like, all in all, you are very strongly encouraged to raise magic as high as possible on everyone. Yeah, but you don't get as much of a say in what your other characters stat loadouts are. You get a full, you assign each stat point for your protagonist but the only thing you can really do about your party members is what persona they have equipped because uh, the persona they have equipped will affect, like they'll get a bonus point in whatever that persona favors, but otherwise they will assign their stats themselves. And each of them has like a stat that they favor. So like I, I realized I'm... I'm at, like, level 40 at this point, and one of my characters has already maxed out her vitality stat. I couldn't stop her. But yeah. And, I mean, vitality is an important stat as well. It's one of the other important stats. It's not quite as important as your magic governing stat, but uh, vitality raises your defense and your HP. So, useful. Um... But yeah, I mean, like, your attack stat is oh, is very rarely going to be called in to do anything because uh, it just doesn't govern that much. Let's see. Uh, in response to the little discussion that came up around this, uh, Law Whoops actually uh, started talking about uh, using... Uh, playing playing Pokemon in a way to make it harder in order to have a use for a lot of the rare items in that. Um, but then brought up, uh, I rarely ever use a Master Ball, even after catching all the legendary Pokemon. I wonder if this is a widespread phenomenon in the gaming community. And boy, howdy buddy, it is. Yeah. Uh, it's... Yeah. I mean, it was only in the last uh, time I did through Saga 2 that I actually started using elixirs. Mm -hmm. I usually just sold them. Because yeah. it's like, okay, one use only. 
uh, takes up space. But then I realized, you know what? They're basically a one character use tent in that game. Mm-hmm. And when you're playing robots, something that completely restores all of your equipment uses. Yeah. That's nice. That's worth a lot. Yeah. So um, I figure if I'm if I do a all ba- uh, an all monsters run at any point, I'll probably be investing a lot in elixirs. Mm. Uh, it's it's worth noting that there's like a lot of sort of psychological theory around how people interact with these sorts of things, and one that shows up a lot in like studies of how people deal with like money and investment is uh, that a perhaps more common driver than risk aversion is loss aversion. Mm-hmm. Which is just the idea that like uh, if people are more scared to lose something than they are uh, ready to than, than they are happy when they get an equivalent like gain. So, like, people feel much worse about, like, the, the common example would be, people feel much worse about losing $100 than they do about, like, finding $100. And so you kind of see that apply to how people deal with, like, rare items. They want, they, they're desperate to keep them, and they want that more, th- they're more concerned about losing them than they are about, one, finding replacements, unless those replacements are infinite, or two... Uh, the gain of actually using them. So, hooray! <laughs> Investment theory strikes again. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, yeah. Pe- people don't like people don't like losing things. Um, the big shocker of the year. Amazing how that works, yeah. Let's see. Um, and before I forget, we should probably hit uh, Berserk Alucard had a question in here as well. Uh, see. Let's see. Um... Okay, the question for Q&A quest. Uh, good recommendations for RPG comfort, comfort food. I mean, uh, guess I mean games you like to go back to a lot as an easy game to play. Uh, some examples could be the cathartic grind of Diablo 3 or the relaxing egg hatching of Pokemon. Do you guys play a lot of this type of stuff or do you find it distracts you from games you're trying to finish? Uh, a lot of the ones that I like rant about a lot over and over are the games that I've played over and over. <laughs> Uh, but they also heavily correlate to game. Like they become relaxing to play because I've played them a million times. So it's like I don't know how relaxing that Final Fantasy VII is for everyone, but it is for me because I've played it a lot. Uh, or like Grandia is one that I will rant about about once every three weeks, and uh, I don't know how relaxing that would be to anyone else, but I've played it a million times, so it's my comfort food. <laughs> You guys got anything like this? I mean, I'll replay like some of the Saga games and the um, Metal Max games occasionally. <laughs> Even the ones that 
drive me nuts again sometimes. Except that now. Yeah, uh, yeah. I mean, I even went back to Xeno for a bit just because the hunter mode at the end is it's fun to just see how many things you can kill with just the dune buggy. <laughs> so. Wow. But not, not Xeno Reborn, however. That got sold back. <laughs> that one was. That one was sent to the kill shelter. Yeah. Uh, I mean, that was just. I mean, that's just the worst thing I can say, about, or best thing I can say about it is I got some money back. It wasn't you didn't actually really spend full price because you got some of your money back. Yep. Let's see. Oh, Tam's in the chat. Hi, Tam. Uh, yeah. What about you, Wheels? Uh, I think you play Monster Hunter about eight thousand hours a year. So, what was the question again? Uh, comfort food RPGs. Um, I think you just keep going back to when you need to relax. Final Fantasy Six. Uh, Destiny One. Jump Has that finally ended for you? Uh, Destiny One. Yeah. Uh, I mean, there's nothing, nothing new to do. <laughs> yeah. Uh, no, I, I was mean, just saying, like, I, I don't hear you talking about Destiny as much over the past year. So. Destiny 2 is kind of boring. Uh, rip. Um, I think of anything else. Um, I mean, those are kind of the big ones at the moment. Uh, but yeah, some monster hunters are always good. Doesn't have to be anyone, any any monster hunter. There's many choices. Uh, uh, yeah. I feel like for, for most anyone, comfort food just becomes something that you understand by rote. And some games are more uh, more conducive to that because yeah. they're uh, grindy and, you know, the eventually the mechanics become second nature. But uh, anything so you care enough to play enough times will probably eventually fall into this role. Yeah. I imagine Persona 5 is going to fall into this role at some point. <laughs> just go back and play it idly. My weirdest uh, comfort game, comfort food game, I think ever was still probably the first Ace Attorney game, which I played through like twenty times. Mm-hmm. It's just something to do. Uh... <sighs> Ow! You okay? Just a little sore. Just a little sore. Yeah. Um, as, as for ones that I can specifically recommend, I don't know, just play Grandia 1. It's a good game. Maybe eventually you'll be like yeah. me. And, oh, Final Fantasy yeah. Legend 1. I, I oh, that's that definitely a real comfort food game. Because I can burn through that and have a good time. Just let it happen. Just ride it out. Always two human, two men. It's the way to go. Two human, two what? Mutant. Okay, that makes sense. My brain was like 
what was that <laughs> sentence? My, it's like I assume it's like a mystic or equivalent, but yeah, it's. I mean, they're both espers in the Japanese. Yeah. They just translated them in different ways in the two games. Yeah. So. Yeah. Um, but yeah. Uh, that's 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 kind of what we got. <laughs> Shockingly, the games that we immediately bring up are all games that we are all individually broken and stuck on. <laughs> we'll never stop talking about. Um, yeah. Let's see. Uh, Tam offers FF6 as a comfort food game for him as well. Yeah. So. Chrono Trigger. Uh, Chrono Trigger is a good one. Especially if you got like a new game plus file and you just want to like go grab one of the endings. Uh, and Dragon Quest Seven was, but now I have beaten it. So, Dragon Quest in general can fall into this just because there's a lot of just sort of relaxation. Like just sort of, well, I need, uh, I'm, I'm ready to gain a level or grind something out, so I'll just do that for you know a few minutes. Oh, it's, it's time for Wheels to go back and play Dragon Quest Eleven. Yes, it's, it's on my list for this year. I believe in you. For sure. Uh, for me, uh, in the same vein, there's usually some Yakuza game I could be playing. <laughs> so. Yakuza, like a something. Yeah. Maybe you need to get back to that. Um, but yeah. Um, Maybe should start wrapping things up since we're falling asleep. Yeah, yeah. Some it of might us are. Time <laughs> to have a shorter cast today, I guess. Well, I'm not quite sure what, how my schedule will be conducive to doing anything in the future. Hmm. So. Because I don't have a lot of openings in the afternoons after next week. Uh oh. So. Uh, we'll have to work that out as we come to it, I think, sadly. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Uh, hopefully, we don't have to fly Gaijinless at any point. But... It will depend upon where fate takes us, I guess. Um. But that means that it's time for plug. Oh, yes. Mm. So, yes, yeah, so Princesses of the Pizza Parlor by Michael Yadimizu, available on Kindle and Kindle Unlimited. Um, oops. And, uh, oh, dang it. And I'm in the wrong spot of this game right now. I need to shut the DS. Okay. <laughs> it happens. So, yes, yeah, so, Yes, Michael Yadimizu, Y-A-R-I-M-I-Z-U. Um, thanks to the in-laws for that. And, um, yeah, so please um, check it out, have a read, leave some nice words or a, a rating. Um, I've recently been looking into exactly how uh, Amazon downgrades your ad um, advertisability based on your um, rating average which means anybody who's got less than a 4.5 stars on amazon is probably not going to be having any success with advertising oh, on geez. amazon yeah 
And so, yes, yeah, so my first episode is currently at a 4.4 average with, uh, oh. <laughs> with... Anyone who wants yes. to help bump that up, you'll have the with, eternal gratitude of the podcast. <laughs> yeah, with 11 five-star ratings, one, two four-stars and a three, and that that comes out to a 4.4 average, which is just below the horizon. So, just cruel. Well, that's a problem yeah. because I've seen so many reviews on Amazon that's, I never received my product, or... The product I received was damaged. It's mm. like that's not that's really not, to do with anything. That's not where you're supposed to leave this, and they don't seem to fix this at all. Amazon does not I mean, really meaningfully moderate these reviews. Yeah, I mean, and I mean, we're talking about eBooks. I mean, that wouldn't even be a applicable true, here. True, true. Yeah, no, I mean, so it could be. Oh, I couldn't. Wasn't able to download the eBook. Oh no! I mean, one of my. One of my four-star reviews actually said that they were knocking off one point specifically for a minor editing decision in one scene towards the very beginning, which was completely a stylistic choice. It was not actually a mistake. Huh. And a whole the entire point? thing got <laughs> four stars out of five. Would have been five except for this one thing. I'm like, dude, you're just huh. looking for reasons. Oh. Yeah. Um, and then the three-star review is basically a cupcake review. You, you remember that term, yeah, right? Yeah, I remember us having this discussion. Yeah. I have no idea if anybody anybody besides me ever uses this term, but yeah. It's a good one. But yeah, it's like, yeah, the, the first episode got a three out of five stars for being written for, young, for younger girls and for not having a whole lot of plot development because, hey, it is the first novella in a series of nine or ten so far. Episode one. Yes. It's like, if you're expecting very deep plot development, do not expect it from an 80-something page first episode of an ongoing series. It labeled itself episode one. Yes. Out of, at the time of writing that review, eight episodes. <laughs> Can't believe the... This didn't get very far into the plot. <laughs> oh, no, it's like very specifically not much character development. This is character introduction. No, never mind. Yes. Never. <laughs> so hence, okay. this is a cupcake review. And hence, this is going this particular reviews wording is going to get roasted in the next episode I write. <laughs> I've already uh, planned out exactly how I'm going to be making fun of this review. <laughs> So, in any case, so if you would in like to character. be a more positive influence on the score, yeah, uh, it's available. It's on Kindle Unlimited, or you can buy it as an ebook, or even in a full volume. Yep, we we have the paperback collections. Yep. So, yeah. uh, please, we will appreciate it. Um, yes, yes. Otherwise, uh, questions, they go in the comment section or they go in the Discord. We're happy to respond to any of those. Maybe add us. There's a lot of stuff going on in the Discord at various times, and sometimes we forget about them. But, uh, yeah, sometimes we yeah. just miss. But, yeah, so uh, if you want to join the Discord, it's fairly easy to find. It should be on the, there should be a link to it on the RP Gamer homepage. It's not that hard. Uh, I trust in yeah. you, listener. Uh, yeah, so we don't make it very hard to join up either. Yeah, yeah. So, yeah. Uh, feel free to join us in the Discord. It's fun. Um, oh, man, there's a gun uh, called the Sleepy Shell Gun. 
Oh, perfect for oh, you. Man. Uh, that's that's got my name written all over it. Yeah. Uh, Sleepy. Of course, uh, in general, we will answer questions as long as they reach us, but the comment section in the Discord are the most reliable ways to do that. Um, but otherwise, we need bed, so see you, Space Cowboys. Peace. Good night, dudes.